It's longer time. Yay! Yay. Lager Time, Poems, Stories and Thoughts By me, Paul Cree Who else? Greetings, bonjour, what's happening? Welcome to Lager Time What's been going on? Been a mad week Last night, we had the Out Here show at the Institute of Contemporary Arts. It's with a group of young people I co-lead with a director called Catherine Palmer for an organisation called Dream Arts in London. We've been developing this show with this group over the last year. We've worked with over 50 young people within the project, most of which are coming from pretty tough circumstances and had never done anything like this before. They thought we were nuts when we told them back last year we were doing a show. It was mad ambitious. We got them acting, rapping, dancing and singing. And most of them, English is not their first language. But they smashed it, mate. The main room at the Institute of Contemporary Arts was packed and the audience loved it. Of course, there was a few mistakes on stage here and there, but they dealt with it and moved on, just like professionals do. It was a great project for me to work on. I got to facilitate the sessions as well as write the script and produce the soundtrack, all done through a loop station triggered live during the show by one of the young guys. Doing this type of work, it's almost impossible to avoid making cheesy sentimental statements about the whole thing, but it can get really emotional. Some of the journeys these guys have been on are genuinely incredible. We gave them all certificates at the end on the stage and at one point I was struggling to hold it together. Makes it all worthwhile. It was the first project I've done like this since we came out of the pandemic and it's wiped me out a bit, but I'm glad of it. I'm off up to Manchester tonight to work on a similar project at Contact Theatre. Then next week things slow down a bit so I can focus on that live stream I keep going on about. Looking forward to having a kip. In 2015, I released an EP of stories called The 96 EP. I worked with a great producer called Elian Gray, who scored the soundtrack to it. I was really proud of it. I never managed to sell many CDs or get a great deal of streams, but I was happy that it existed and could be accessed. Initially, I regretted putting it out as an EP and thought I should have done it as a podcast. But after six years, I'm glad it exists online and anyone can go stream it anytime they want. I had an email off the CD distributor saying they wanted to get rid of my excess stock. So I got the last few CDs back off them. You can purchase them at at paulcree.co.uk slash shop or stream it on all the major platforms except Spotify for some reason. Dickheads. I've attached the first track off the EP called Fun Facts Kid. I was really proud of this when I wrote it. I felt like these were the sort of stories I wanted to tell and the form felt good. It's loosely based on two true stories, so I hope you enjoy it. Have a banging weekend. Peace and taters. Paul.
It's a Wednesday afternoon. School's finished, but I haven't. I'm sat on that infamous naughty desk underneath the stairs writing lines about property theft and deliberately disrupting class time. I should be at home watching Biker Grove. Instead, I'm staring at the carvings etched into the well-knackered wood. Crude claims about people's mums, alongside a roll call of scratching-in names, older brothers and cousins of mates who've not gone on to achieve much. I'm sat here because of Alan. Little shit that he is. It all started yesterday. Alan's bragging to Miss about how his crest plant's going to be the biggest in the class. All the class's crest plants are lined up on the windowsill next to the wooden desks with the hinge lids where me and my best friend Richard sit, right at the back of the room. Alan sits a few rows in front, sucking up to Miss and flipping the bird every time she turns to me and Rich. As Miss inspects the crest plants, she catches me and Rich talking. Open up your desk lid. Miss says, as if she knew it was going to be a state. And upon seeing how messy it is, textbooks, paper and felt tips missing the lids, looking like rubbish in a skip, she orders me and Rich, whose desk is just as bad, to stay in at break and tidy them. My desk is tidy, Miss. Button in, Alan's opened his desk lid to reveal to Miss an annoyingly tidy pile of stacked books and paper and that flipping fun facts Alan always has with him. Chock a block with geeky information and stickers so smug pricks like Alan can cover his textbooks with cheesy slogans and claim facts like it was him that discovered it. When Miss walks away, Alan swings back round to me and Rich with a devious look on his face and says, Oi, I bet you two dickheads have the worst crest plants in the class. You two always come bottom in all the tests. You should be used to it, because you're both thick. Shut up, Alan, I replied. Yeah, shut up, Alan, said Rich. You shut up. Alan comes back angry, as if he'd just forgotten the insults that had just pea-shooted from his lips. No, you shut up, Alan. We said shut up first. What's all this noise about? Says Miss, turning round from writing on the board and looking at us. Miss, those two keep swearing at me. Says Alan. Thing is, though I don't often do well on the tests, I know I'm not thick. And as for Alan who always seems to do well, I know he's not that smart. Not as smart as he thinks he is. I've seen Alan cheat on tests by using his fun facts hidden inside the lid of his desk, or the times table on the back of his packed pencil case, and he always seems to get away with it. Miss turns back round to the board at the front of the class. Alan swings back round again. You two knobs are like those characters from that new cartoon I've seen on MTV called Beavers and Butted. Because you're both thick and need braces. That's your new names, yeah? Beavers and Butted. Anna follows this with a silly little giggle, which I'm assuming is taken from this mythical TV show, which made everyone else in the class laugh. I feel the beginnings of a blizzard in my tummy, as if I was inside of a gently shaken snow glass sat on a mantelpiece, which I immediately want to suppress. I can feel my face going red. I've not heard of that cartoon, Alan. I don't know what you're talking about. I said. That's because your mum and dad can't afford Sky. You've never seen MTV. Alan replies as he turns back to his desk doing that stupid laugh again. My parents have got Sky. I've seen it. Pipes up Richard, out of nowhere. And he's more like beavers and butted than me. He's the one with goofy teeth who needs braces. Pointing at me. I pause. Look at Richard for a bemused sec. 
What? He says. You do need braces. Ignoring the fact that my best mate has just cussed me off, I then turn straight back to Alan, with his back to me, trying to think up the best cuss I can possibly cuss him back with. Shut up, Alan. No reply. It just bounces off the back of Alan's white shirt. During the break, detained, me and Rich are tidying our desks, stuffing our faces with too many nerd sweets. Alan keeps on walking past the window, calling us beavers and butted, doing that stupid laugh, which is spreading like hair nits amongst the other kids because they're all doing it. Clenching our fists, me and Rich pledge revenge and plot a roadmap to our very own Count of Monte Cristo. I'd take him. Yeah, I reckon I'd take him as well. Yeah, but I beat him up harder. I've been doing press-ups. Yeah, but I put him in a headlock. You see me arm wrestle. I've got strength there. Yeah, but I'd elbow drop him. Yeah, but I'd elbow drop him and put him in the super sharp shooter. I'd elbow drop him, put him in the gorilla press, throw him out the window from the first floor and jump out myself on body splashing. The emergency Cobra meeting continues as we empty our desks of all the unfinished schoolwork and half-eaten sandwiches. Just as I'm loading up my gob with another handful of nerd sweets, I casually discard the empty box on the side behind me and my gaze turns to the crest plants on the windowsill. In particular, that fun fact sticker-clad plant pot right in the middle hogging all the sunlight and wonder how it is that Alan's crest plant actually looks like him. I stop chewing and just stare. I hop back. Sounding like a snorting pig at a trough. Lean towards the windowsill, then unleash a thick wad of rainbow-coloured phlegm directly into the soil that bell in Alan's plant pot. Rich laughs and then follows, spitting right into the same spot. We go back and forth in a phlegm rally, covering Alan's crest plant in a monsoon palette of food colouring, sugar and E numbers, making Alan's crest plant look like an abstract Van Gogh. We watch the venom of our combined saliva slowly seep into the soil. We high-five and laugh, admiring our handiwork. The class come back in from break. Richard and I are stum. The crest plants are lined up on the outside of my peripheral vision, like soldiers standing to attention having just been witness to a sabotage. Those annoying little giggles are playing out in stereo around the room, subtly conducted by Alan at the front, sitting on his desk with his fun facts, blissfully unaware of what's just happened. And every time Miss turns round to the board, Alan swings round to me and Richard mouths, Beavis and butted. I just smile. The sun's out. It's all calm inside the snow glass. The next day I walk into glass to be greeted by a scene I didn't quite expect. Alan is standing next to the windowsill. Alan is crying. Alan is being comforted by a miss. I slowly shuffle over to my desk. Alan's crest plant is dead. No one else's crest plant has died. Just Alan's. It's as if we unintentionally hit the target at a carnival shooting gallery and there's now a prize winning goldfish swimming under the eyelids of me and Rich who's just arrived and seen it too. But we're both a bit surprised. We didn't intend to kill Alan's crest plant. We didn't actually think about what would happen if we spat in it. We just thought it would be a laugh. Because Alan's always given a shit. 
Alan's touching the leaves tenderly with his hand. All the shoots are draped down the side of the pot and are dry and yellow, looking like anorexic vines suffering from jaundice. And when Miss lifts the plant pot, there's a little multicoloured stain on the plate underneath, looking like the liquid bit in the bottom of the bowl after eating a whole load of Neapolitan ice cream. Alan rubs his teary eyes and looks up to see me looking at him. His eyes immediately dart to the side behind where my desk is. But his face suddenly frowns. I follow his sightline and see the empty box of nerd sweets sitting there casually on the side. He looks back towards me. He looks mean. He looks angry. It was Beavers and Butthead. They did it, miss. They did it. Alan, stop being silly and sit back down, says Miss. Alan stares at me and Rich, a hard stare that could strip paint off walls, and he remains quiet for the rest of the morning. At lunchtime, Alan's nowhere to be seen, but me and Richard are too busy feeling proud of our unintentional murderous achievements to be concerned about this. After lunch, we come back into class for our geography lesson. Alan's already sat down at his desk. Miss says that we're going to be studying capital cities. Alan immediately shoots his hand up, as fast as the donkey's arse in that buckaroo ball game. I know all the names, miss. They're in my fun facts. Which he instinctively goes to grab. But it's not on his desk. Alan makes a real show of trying to find it, until Miss can't ignore it, as Alan gets more and more distressed and I don't think Miss wants any more tears. OK, class. Everybody take a moment to look for Alan's fun facts. Ten minutes and no dice. The fun facts have disappeared. Lobbied furiously by Alan, Miss decides to inspect the desks. Lids fly open and she gradually approaches the back. She gets to me and Rich. Suddenly I feel very scared. I open my messy lid. And there it is. Sat there next to an empty box of nerd sweets. In all its smugness is Alan's fun facts. It was Beavers and Butted, Miss. They took my fun facts. I'm gobsmacked. When the bellowing begins, my snow glass turns to ice and I freeze, just nodding my head to everything Miss says about how he deliberately concocted this plan to disrupt class time and distress Alan, who was already upset, even though we didn't do it. Though Miss doesn't know we killed his crest plant, I wonder if Miss has given us too much credit. We're not that smart and we're sentenced to after-school detentions writing lines on the naughty desk about property theft and deliberately disrupting class time. For the rest of the day, me and Richard are sheepish. I can't help thinking how unfair life is, and every now and again, as if just to remind us, Alan lets out that little giggle, confirming the class's hierarchy and where we sit. Little shit that he is. And as I sit here and finish carving words to that effect into the naughty desk, Underneath the stairs, annoyed as I am, I can't help thinking, when visualising those dry crest plant leaves, the rainbow stain on the plate and the tears in Alan's spoiled eyes, it was all worth it. It's longer time. Yay! Longer time. Poems, stories and thoughts by me, Paul Cree. Who else?